Good morning. This is um, Dr. Randy Taylor from All of It United Methodist Church, bringing you today's message. Um, there are so many facts and figures that are being given to you by way of uh, fake news and other forms of communication, and, and actually statistics that will change not only every day, every hour and minute. So I know that you're listening to a lot of that information, so I don't want to rehearse reassurances in that. Um, I've been United Methodist minister for 47 years, um, preaching. I've been a colonel in the Air Force for some 20 years, and I worked for various tax passports on, on uh, the NBC, the Nuclear Biological Chemical Warfare. As a chaplain, I was kind of at the right hand of many of the commanders, and I exercises on what was going on in the world. I think the greatest comfort that I can bring to you is the comfort that God brings to me through his word today. 
questions of people on the street and put their answers in the paper. And one day he asked the question, what are your chances? And he may have even approached you, or you may have been approached by questions in your mind too. What are your chances of going to heaven when you die? And he received many interesting different answers. One, one woman supposedly said that her father, her father was a good man. Maybe he'll put a good word for me upstairs. Now, God has children, sons, grandchildren. We can't put our trust in what our parents did or what our spouse did. We need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ ourselves, and that's the ABCs of salvation. The A, all of us is in fallen short of the glory of God. We need to be, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and sometimes we all need to say, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And then see, we need to confess him as the Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. And it was interesting that during one of these interviews, one man said a joke, and that's the joke of it. And he says, my chances are pretty slim. Now, at least he probably was pretty honest. Honestly, he says, my chances are pretty slim. He said, I can't play a harp. Can you imagine that making a joke out of your eternal... He said, I can't play a harp. And another said, my chances are about 1 in 12. Another said, I, I spend a lot of time in taxis. The way they drive, I may get a chance pretty soon to be my maker. And another said, I don't have much chance. The requirements for admission are too high. And a woman said, I don't know what my chances are. I'll have to ask my husband. A man said, my chances are pretty good. I joined the church in my home court. Now... You know, that's unbiblical, unbiblical, you know, humanistic thoughts of heaven and paradise and our eternal home for all eternity. Not one of them, can, can I honestly tell you, not one of them, not one of them mentioned Jesus Christ who alone can give salvation. Yet Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one cometh unto the Father but by me, according to John 14, 6. In Acts 4, 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name like Jesus, Jesus under heaven given among us, whereby we must be saved. Oh, friends, by way of television, this is Dr. Randy Caper coming into your airways and your space. I really appreciate your thoughts and your prayers and any financial help that you provide to our ministry by way of television radio. And friends, if you... If you do get to heaven, you won't say, I'm here because of my own merit. You'll say only, I'm here because of what Jesus Christ has done. Only it's Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ in his blood. Because I came to Christ as a lost sinner. It was through his body that was broken, his blood that was shed. I put all my trust in Jesus. And when I did that, God was there too. When God did the mighty work of salvation in you and I. Now, God is there in time of sorrow suffering. You know, the times that we're going through, you know, today are unprecedented. You know, I think we're not used to that word, unprecedented. You know, uh, but my mind goes back to Joseph, who was surely one of the best men in the Old Testament. Joseph loved the Lord. Joseph lived a good, clean, pure life. Yet he suffered greatly. He was unjustly accused, was thrown into prison and forgotten. And this has been a lot of many Christians. Just take a stand for Jesus. Try to 
live for Jesus a good life for him, and you meet many hardships. Jesus has not promised the skies always do, but in the midst of it all, God never forsakes us. God stands by us and brings us out to a brighter and a better day. God did this for Joseph. He brought Joseph through all of his troubles, and God will do that for you and I. And finally, lifted him out of prison and made him the biggest man in Egypt, honored, respected, and rewarded. I imagine that as Joseph looked back over those dark days, he said, I had a hard time. You may say that to you. I had a hard time, but God was there, too, and God brought me out. Then I think of Apostle Paul. No man ever suffered for Christ as he did. He tells us that he was beaten with many stripes, that he was shipwrecked three times, that he spent a day and a night in the sea, that he was often cold and hungry and thirsty and naked, that he was in prison many times and during all kinds of questions. Then hear him as he tells how God was with him. Sometimes people put down the apostle Paul, but he was directed by the Holy Spirit. And the apostle Paul said his grace was sufficient. That's that transforming grace that, that we, we talk about and we, we, we live in, and that he supplied all my needs. He walked with me everywhere. He enabled me to do all things. And if we could go up to heaven today and talk to the saints who are there, they would say, we came through many dangerous toils and snares, but God was with us every step of the way. I'm reminded of a great salt of ancient times, commanded the Secretary of State to write a history of the human race. And several years passed, and the Secretary brought in 500 books. Can you imagine that? How many? 500 books. The complete history of the human race. And when the Sultan saw all these books, he was amazed. And he said, it's your history. Your history is too long, he explained. Cut it down. And the Secretary said, sire, all that is in these books can be composed into a single line. What would your life be like if it was composed in the same line? And his response was, they were born, they suffered, they died. Now, this is true of history of everyone. This is true of your history or my history. But the Christian can add another line, and the good Lord was with us in it all. Yes, you and I as Christians can say that the good Lord was with us all during this coronavirus and, and COVID-19. Yes, Jesus is there in the time of suffering and sorrow. And God is there in that time of prayer. Time of prayer, God is a busy God. But he's never too busy to answer our prayers. Millions of people on earth pray every day. I trust you pray every day. I hope you pray for all the United Methodist Church and Dr. Tabor, my, myself and my family and our health general fellowship of God hears them all, and God has, has the wisdom to separate these prayers and answer each one as he sees best. To some he says yes, and the request is granted. To some he must say no, because he knows what is best for them. To some he says just wait a while. He gives us a yellow light. We're not always ready to receive the answer. But whatever the answer, we can know that is for our best good. I'm thinking as I begin to close out here. I just want to thank you for following along and supporting our church by your thoughts, your prayers, and finances here at all of the United Methodist Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. 
but I'm thinking of a lovely and wonderful young woman. She she's a very con- consecrated and talented, has a radiant personality, and loves you, Jesus. And one day I said to her mother, she's such a fine girl. I know you're proud of her. And her mother said, here's a secret. Before she was born, we prayed earnestly for her. And when she was born, we gave her up to God. In these years, we have prayed, and that that she would grow up to be very consecrated, not only talking the talk of Christianity, but walking the walk. And you parents are missing the boat out there. Yes, I'm talking to you as a parent or a grandparent. As a parent or grandparent, you're missing the boat if you neglect to do this for your children, to pray for them daily, to uplift them in your thoughts and prayers. Business and professional. Business and professional people need prayer also. A certain very prominent doctor went into the operating room. Um, I always talk to my doctors and make sure that they're concentrated Christians and in their pro-life. Because I, I feel that if they're not pro-life, they're not prominent doctor went into the operating room to perform a very delicate operation. Two young doctors went in to observe. And the older doctor scrubbed up, put on his white robe, went over to the window and bowed his head for a few moments of prayer. And one of the younger doctors said, Doctor, you always pray before an operation. And the older doctor said, Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I call on that body and blood of Christ, that empowerment from the Holy Spirit and, you know, the operation may appear to be a simple one, but you never, never know what you're going to run into. And isn't that life? He says, I always want the master's hand on mine when I operate. Have you looked at the mighty physician wall as he's operating on your life? Some years ago, I preached every Sunday during August. I remember August. It's hard to imagine August as we think back the many months of, of life. I preached at a certain church, and and there was a quite a there was a celebrity that I won't mention his name in the church, and and he was given a one year beer commercial, offered to him a contract to broadcast uh, ball games for them, and they agreed to pay him thousands of dollars more than he was making, which is quite a large sum of money in those days. And he needed the money for his family, but he and his wife prayed about it, and they turned the offer down. And he was the idol, really the idol of many boys and girls for their sakes and for Jesus' sake and for the sake of his church. He turned them down. Now, did he lose anything? No. Um, I'm glad to report to you that that team won the National League pennant that year, and he shared the World Series money with his there and God helped make the decision. God rewarded him for his faithfulness, just like God will award you for his faithfulness. You know, when we get to be with God, we want to hear that commendation. Well done, thou faithful and true, no obedient daughter and son of mine. Jesus told us to pray in secret, and God would reward us openly. Yes, we get alone and we pray for God, and we pray to God, and we pray, but God will be there. God will reward you when all the world is going to see it.
know, God is here in time of persecution. Some of you may feel it's persecution in time. Tradition tells us that Jesus once said to his disciples, the nearer you and I are to Jesus, the nearer you are to the fire. Now, down through the ages, people have found this to be true. Paul found it to be true. The early Christians found it to be true. The martyrs of olden days found it to be true. If you try to live close to Jesus today, it will cost you something. You may not be killed for following Jesus. You may not be thrown into jail for worshiping God. At least not in America. You know, we hope not. It could happen any day, but you will lose some worldly friends and you will have some ridicule and people that will criticize you, heaped upon you. Nearly every business organization, you know, today gives these cocktail parties. And if you as an employee do not attend these cocktail or these functions and indulge in their drinks, you will soon learn the meaning of a light, a light persecution. Years ago, in a foreign country, they were arresting Christians and throwing them into prison. And those who were not arrested, imagine this, those who were not arrested felt that there was something lacking in their lives. And one of the native, um, truly born-again, spirit-filled, Methodist pastors said to the missioner, what's the matter? What's the matter with us? Aren't we living like Christians? There are 37, you know, I won't mention the, the denomination, but um, a particular denomination, they were in jail, and there was only one Methodist. Do you and I have convictions? Do you and I have convictions? Only you, by way of radio or television, can Tell me if you have any form of convictions. Do you try to live up to these convictions? And if so, the world will hate us. But Jesus said, in the world, you have have much persecution, but be of good cheer. I overcome the world. Here is a child who loves Christ, who wants to be baptized, to become a church member. But the parents object. They don't want the children to be religious. I remember in one of my first pastorates, there was a girl that was kicked out of school and was kicked out of her home and that room took her under under our care, and she used to walk our, our door and I was a doorman, handler, and caregiver, and she'd walk over her door and, and her parents, and she started coming to our church, and her, her parents didn't like the idea of, that, of her going to our church, so they sent her to another church, and sometime later, you know, she stopped going to that church, and, and, and she grew up, she um, and she became a teenager and she experienced her pregnancy and she got into drugs and later she ended up in Minneapolis and the last contact was that she went into the front door of the store and the security lights there and the cameras were going she never came out and then some time later they discovered her uh, a skull and uh, while they were hunting up in the McGregor area due to the dental work they discovered it was this young lady. You know, if her parents would have just allowed her to come to church and be under our wing and our shadow and our influence, or here's a wife who loves Jesus, she wants to go to church to serve the Lord, to live for Jesus, but on account of this, her husband makes life a hell on earth for her. What are these to do? Must they give up? No, they must go on faithfully serving Christ. 
they may suffer, but they will know that the one who died on the cross for them walks beside them today. Then they can truly say, God was there too. I hope you can say that God is walking to you and talking with you and that you're obe- obediently listening to God. And in, in closing, um, God, God is there when we need to make life's life's and life's decisions. Daniel came to the hour decision, and it's kind of like the hour decision for you and I. Daniel came to the hour decision. A choice was offered Daniel. He could pray to the king and live or pray to God and die. He made his choice. He threw open the windows toward Jerusalem and prayed three times every day. As a consequence, he was thrown into the den of lions, but he came out victorious and unharmed. In the years to come, I can imagine that he said to his children, his grandchildren, Yes, I took my stand for God. They threw me to the lions, but God was there too, and he brought me out safely. There may be a time that we're going to have to um, continue this, this series. We may be running out of time. But listen, make your decision in favor of God, and you won't lose out. God will sustain you, and God will give you the victory. I never felt God's presence more in my life than I did one sunlight day in Eagle Bend, Minnesota, Todd County. In a recent sunlight, sunrise service, I felt God's presence, and I heard God's call for me to surrender to God as a gospel preacher. And the years have come and gone, but the impressions of that hour have never left me. And I often go back to my thoughts, and I live over those high and holy moments. And in those high and holy moments strengthen me. We need to be strengthened in times of like this. Irregardless of statistics and that, we need to trust in God. There have been some difficult days and many discouragements along the ways, folks, for you and for you and I, for you and I. But always the Lord has been there with us and has given us many victories. God may be calling some young person, older person today to serve God. You shrink from that call, you feel that you're unworthy and incapable, but if you make a full surrender to God, you need have no fear of the future. God will walk with you. God will bless your life. God will reward you for everything you do for him. For God will be there in the hour of death. For the death, for the Christian death, is not a prison cell, it's a blessed release. It's an entrance into the Father's wonderful house. It's a passing from a world of gloom to a world of glory, groom to glory. It's going from trouble to triumph. It's leaving the cross and receiving the crown. Yet many Christians fear death. They dread their that hour when they come face to face with the monster called death. But death is not a monster to the Christian. It is a friend who ushers us into the presence of Jesus. It's a kind of old nurse who calls us from the tribals, troubles of this old world to the rest of the peace of God's home. If those who already have gone through experience of death could speak to you and I today. Your loved ones, if they could speak to you and those in Christ, they would say, God was there too. God was there too. When a friend of mine died some time ago, another friend said, he's got his name now. He's got his name now. And this was rural in language, but it brought me a beautiful thought. This friend had suffered much. This friend had been sick for a long time. He had been subject to all forms of things which infect mankind and humankind. But now these things were past. His journey was over. He was home safe. That's what death means to all who trust him. When John Wesley died, he said, best of all, 
best of all, God is with us. When Dwight L. Moody died, he said, heaven is coming down and I'm going home. When General Stonewall Jackson died, he said, I'm just going to cross over the river and rest in the shade of the trees on the other side. When the Apostle Paul faced death, he said, I'm now ready to be offered up and the time of my departure is at hand. I go to prepare and I go to receive the crown that Christ has promised to me. All of these were simple, simply saying that God, God is there at the end of the trail. And God will be there eternally. Eternally. Salvation is simply eternal fellowship with God. That fellowship begins when we come to know Jesus through our faith in Christ. It, it grows sweeter as the years go by and continues forever in heaven. Now, God is in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. When we get to heaven, shall we see these three persons? I know. When the Bible is silent on any matter, we cannot afford to be dogmatic. But somehow I believe that they'll see all three persons in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all the attributes of the three persons are even now present in Jesus. So maybe in Jesus we'll see the Father who made us and loved us, the Savior who died for us, and the Holy Spirit who loved us. This is simply conjecture on Dr. Randy Tabor's part. Nothing less or else. And if when we get to heaven, we see three persons or, or one person, that will be glory throughout the endless ages. The Apostle Paul said, I want you to depart and be with Christ. He said in Colossians 2, 9, in Christ, in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That makes me feel that we shall see the Godhead in the person of Christ. But this is one of those things which should not worry us one which we can leave in his hands until that perfect day. We do know this, that God is perfection and power. No sin in God, no suffering, no disease, no darkness can stand in his presence. So when we turn to his word and read, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away, Revelation 21, 9. And again, and there shall be... Um, no wise entered anything that defiled Revelation chapter 21, 27. And what, what are these scriptures telling us? Since God is there, no sin can come to tempt us. No sorrow will come to grieve us. No pain will come to hurt us. No death will come to separate separate us. As scriptures, as I turn my, in my Bible periodically, separates from those we love. Now, where God is, we shall be. Where God is, everything is perfect, and so shall we be perfect in God's presence. Yes, God is always there. When we were lost, yes, you and I were lost. And if you can't admit you're lost, then you are um, falling into unrighteous. But when we were lost, when we needed our sins forgiven, when we called on Jesus for salvation, he was there. When sorrow and trouble roll over our souls, we can look up and find Jesus there to comfort us. When we need help and call on him in prayer, we find him there, ready to answer. When the world persecutes us for following him, he is there to strengthen us. When we face life's decisions, he is there to guide us. When our feet touch the icy waters of the river of death, he will be there. When our souls soar out to heaven, he will meet us at the gate, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. He is always there in this life. and the life to come. One night, I had a strange dream. I thought I was pushing some some sort of a cart, but Steve 
out somewhere beside me. He took over the cart and pushed it easily up the slope while I walked by his side. My friends, that was Jesus. Jesus takes our sins by himself. Jesus helps us to bear every burden. Jesus walks with us down every road of life. Jesus stands by us in the hour of death. Jesus keeps us throughout eternity. And I present this great Savior to you today. It's up to you to respond. Receive Jesus. Love Jesus. Serve Jesus. You'll never regret it in this world or in the world to come. If I can pray with you now, dear, dear listener, friends who support us in their thoughts and their prayers and their finances and those who may have tuned in by way of television or radio for the first time, all you have to do is the ABCs of salvation. A, admit you that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, things you've done and left undone, sins of commission, sins of omission, and B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That means adhere to his teachings and followings, and then C, confess him as your Lord and Savior. I'd like to lead you in that prayer now, if you would, in closing, if you would repeat these words. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. I admit that I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. Come into my heart and light. I forget my sins of commission and omission. And forgetting, forgiving my sin. Help me believe in you. Help my unbelief. Help me see and confess you as my Lord and Savior. And may the Lord continue to bless you all and keep you. And this has been Dr. Randy Tabor of all of it. United Methodist Church in the province of Minnesota. And we appreciate your thoughts and your prayers and your comments. In Jesus' name. Greetings, brothers and sisters. I'm I'm going to do my lay sermon today on two verses. The first verse is John 15, verse 1 to 11. The second scripture is Matthew 27, verses 29 and 30. On John 15, verse 1 to 11, as Jesus said he was divine and Father God was the vine dresser. This is probably said as they were passing by the temple. The temple had a golden vine in front of it, and a vine often stood as an Old Testament symbol of Israel. He said that he's the true vine. That means that people must be rooted in him, not in Israel or the church. Father God is a vine keeper, and the branches are pruned and cleaned so more good fruit is produced. The word pruned here means to lift up. The low branches may grow on the ground. This caused them to be overtaken by weeds and other leaves. When this happens, the sunlight is blocked and doesn't reach them. Because of lacking sunlight, these unproductive vines are pruned or lifted up. Because the sunlight now reaches them, they are less likely to spread rot or disease to the good vines on the branch. God's word promotes spiritual growth in this way. When Jesus says you are already clean because of the word, he means to cleanse the action of the words of the Bible it has on its reader. The word can cleanse a sinful body from unhealthy habits and also purifies the reader by giving them information about Jesus and eternal life. The word of God inspires holiness or separation from the world and develops you on the good branch of Father God's family. 
she speaks of a mutual relationship in verses 4 and 5. He lives in us if we choose to stay focused on him. Apart from Jesus, branches cannot mature and are unable to produce good fruit. In verse 5, he states, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Doing or saying anything apart from Jesus eventually degrades or decays and goes away. Verse 7 is easy to misunderstand. Where it says, Anything you ask, it shall be done for you. It's specifically referring to those still clinging to the Lord's branch. If you are on the Lord's branch, you will or cannot ask for anything contrary to God's will. You will not ask for anything that does not glorify God or need specifically for your own personal enjoyment or pleasure. Jesus consolidated all the commandments into one commandment, love. If you adhere to this commandment, you'll automatically keep the other ten. If we promote and stay on the Lord's part in His love, our joy may be full. The word used here for full is referring to a wine, a wine vase filled to the brim. It cannot hold any more. If you are full of the Lord, you cannot be filled further with anything sweeter. Now I'm going to go to Matthew 27, two verses, verses 29 and 30. The soldiers that arrested Jesus placed a crown of thorns on his head. Then they furthered his mocking and insulted his kingship. They bowed down in mock honor and handed him a wreath as a plate scepter. To further his torture and humiliation, they spit on him and took this reed scepter and beat his head with it. That's where I realized something that didn't occur to me earlier. Beating his head would have driven the thorns from the from the crown through his skin and further into the skull. This was more torture that he had to withstand on all of our behalf. Thank you very much for listening to my, to my late service. You have a glorious day.